This is the Incremental Gains Podcast, helping you to improve on yesterday, every day. This podcast is brought to you by Maximum Edge CIC. Maximum Edge deliver training and learning opportunities for individuals who are facing many barriers to progressing and achieving in life. Maximum Edge works with people in workshops and one-to-one sessions to support them to make changes in their lives so they can progress and move forward in fulfilling their full potential. They work with people in local communities and sports with the aim of investing in people, which in turn will help to strengthen communities. For more information, go to www.maximumedge.org.uk Great morning everyone, welcome to the podcast. We've got a special treat for you today. We've got Gaz Fletcher, personal trainer from St. Helens over. So hopefully we're going to have a good chat today about all things nutrition and fitness based. Um, so for the listeners, Gaz, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, thanks for having us, Dave. Uh, my name is Gary Fletcher. Like Dave said, I'm a personal trainer based in St. Helens, Merseyside. Um, I run a personal training studio specialising in weight loss for the over 35s. I've been in the industry probably since about 2001. So I'm quite old for a personal trainer, to be honest with you, 37. But yeah, started off my journey back in 2001, private fitness industry. So started off at the old JJB Fitness Club back in St. Helens, which is now DW. Moved through the industry over the years into public sector, private sector. So I've worked for the NHS in cardiac rehabilitation, done all my qualifications there. Worked there for about five years, helping people with various medical conditions. Recent years, I've gone into my own business. I've opened my own personal training studio, and that's where we are today. So, yeah. So it's interesting you say about that. You, you, you class yourself as pretty old for a personal trainer, but I remember listening to something. I can't remember his name now, but he was saying about you should never trust a young personal trainer <laughs> because the older you get, you appreciate your body and your injuries a little bit more. Yeah, I think I think there's some truth in that. I think I think like I say, everyone does start somewhere, and I obviously started when I was about 18, 19, But yeah, I think there's not many of us left now. Thirty-seven is quite old for personal training. Yeah. Um, when you say personal training, you think oh, someone is 21, 22. Mm-hmm. But yeah, been in the industry a long time. Seen lots of changes, but yeah, um, still enjoy it. What are some of the changes you've seen over the years since you first started? Lots of changes. I think when I first started, if you think about probably when I was in the industry in two thousand one. It was when the, do you know like when the health clubs were first coming on the scene? Yeah. So like David Lloyd, your total fitnesses, your JJBs, they were sort of classed as real health clubs. And there wasn't any personal trainers around then. Right. It was just fitness instructors, which people don't sort of remember. So what would be the difference then? What would be the difference in your Really? Yeah. A, a lot like when I used to work at JJB, a lot of the industry then is the service that people got when they come into the gyms then, and like the health clubs, they got a personal training experience but they were getting it as part of the membership. So when I think back now, I used to personal train people back then, but we just weren't called personal trainers. Right. So what happened after, after probably 2004, 2005, the industry started to change. So a lot of these like budget gyms started coming on the scene. Yeah. A lot of the fitness instructors got taken out of the fitness clubs and the health clubs, and then the personal trainers moved in. Right. So like the members' experience was a lot different. Like if you join a budget gym now, you won't get a sort of 
for induction like you used to, you won't get like a program or you won't get that, that sort of customer care like yeah. you used to. It's as sparse as it can be, I suppose, for your money and that is that's it. It's as minimal as, as possible. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the big change I think I've seen over the years where it's gone more from sort of the traditional health club model, then it's gone into the budget gyms and then you've seen things like boot camps. That's right, yeah, yeah. Zumba. All these type of things sort of like come up in the industry. Like obviously personal training is coming big now. So group personal training, one-to-one personal training is coming over yeah. the last five or six years. So I think there's some of the, the biggest sort of things I've seen in the industry locally. Yeah. Lots of changes, obviously, in nutrition. There's always something new on the scene with that. But I think as far as locally, that's been a big shift yeah. with the industry, yeah, definitely. And also you specifically sort of um, cater for the over 35s. Why is that? Yeah, I think... Again, I'm against young people. Um, just to <laughs> this point is, that this out. isn't the theme of the podcast, just yeah. young people. Yeah. So. Just to point that out, yeah. I think for me, when I used to, going back again to when I used to, when I first come in the industry, when I used to work at JGB, if, if I did like an eight hour shift, I could literally be training, someone will come in, young lad, football player, training in. Next client comes in, 70 year old woman, osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. Next client comes in, wants to get ripped in six weeks. Next client comes in, she wants to drop the dress size. Um, some people with like, you know, medical conditions and you're training at, at an array of people. Yeah, massive spectrum. Like massive that. spectrum, which at the time, I really appreciate that sort of experience and it made me the trainer that I am now. But in recent years, I've, I've been more interested in training people who I want to train and look after the type of clients that I want to look after. So I'm over 35. I'm a business owner, um, so I want to look after, they're, they're the type of people that I tend to look after now. So it's more about health, not just the sort of fitness side of it as well. So I've definitely looked more in recent years, more of like a holistic approach. A lot of the programs that I create are for, for people like busy mums, right. dads, a lot of like corporate people, people that have got busy jobs, busy, busy family life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the programs and sort of, things that happen over recent years have been for them people. And I really enjoy it. I, yeah. I really enjoy looking more at that like health side and the holistic approach. Yeah. I think it's important and we'll touch on a little bit later on sort of how um, it affects the mind, exercise yeah. affects the mind. There's loads of studies coming into that and that, so we'll touch yeah. on that a little bit more. Now that's on. a massive thing, I think that's an absolute massive area now. I, mean, I think that when you said about changing the industry, I think mental health and mindset, that's what's coming into the fitness industry now even more. I, I don't think you can just be a a fitness instructor or a personal trainer now and put people through exercise. I think you've got to be good at communication. I think you've got to be good at talking about mindset and help people make changes. But yeah, again, nothing against human people. It's just that I find them type of clients, they tend to be shorter and they stay with you probably yeah. on, on the quite hit and miss. They want to go out and get drunk. They want to, want to go out and party. Where I think as people get older, they're more concerned about health, longevity, that sort of stuff. You want something that is sustainable, don't you? You want advice of maybe someone who's gone through them and trials and tribulations as definitely, well. Don't you? Definitely, definitely. I, I get it. It's not a it's not a slant on anyone that's sort of just coming into the industry and just sort of getting going. But what I found, if you've got someone who's probably in the forties, they're not always going to take lifestyle advice or nutrition advice of someone who's twenty one. Mm. They tend to trust people that have maybe been through an experience or they've got to do it themselves. So again, yeah, definitely. So before we move on to the next section, is there anything that really annoys you? Ranting. 
ranting. <laughs> Is this where you get me ranting now about the industry? <laughs> um, I think probably one of the big things at the moment is personal trainers. I, I've been in the industry about 17 years, so a, a, a lot of the time you'll get everyone painted with the same brush now. So people can get qualified on the weekend. So someone can get qualified on the weekend. So this sort of plumber come personal trainer, weekend personal trainer. And he's, he's kind of given the same advice as he's, he's, he's put under the same sort of job title as yourself, but then he can give various, you know, he, he can just go on YouTube or he can go on Google yeah. or something and just give that advice out to somebody. I think that, that annoys me quite a lot. I think the fad diets that are out there, supplements. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get into that a bit later on as well because I'm really interested in sort of the nutrition aspects. Yeah, that, definitely. I think like your herbal lives and your juice pluses and your your cleanses, the, these type of words, that, that can be quite frustrating. As someone who's trying to make someone, make some changes in their lifestyle, support them, them quick fixes are always, the magic bullets is always the... Uh, I don't know if you do listen to Ben Coomer at all. I love, yeah, Coomer. I really like well, that. He has a thing about herbal life and that, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got some YouTube videos. Yeah. He's a really good resource, Ben. Yeah. I, th I think I think Ben Coombe's um, a really good resource. His academy's fantastic, and I also recommend his uh, his podcast. Good listening as well. Other things that probably uh, I tend to rant about. I think as an industry, one of the things that frustrates me. What I think as a, as a personal trainer, our job is to help and support people. It's to it's to make someone make a change. It's to make someone fall in love with health and fitness, essentially. What you find a lot of personal trainers gravitate towards is this sort of this beast mode or this train mean clean sort of mm. mentality where they end up scaring people off. So they end up scaring people off that they're trying to help. Yeah. And a lot of personal trainers are out there just trying to impress other personal trainers. They're not thinking about the type of clients who they're trying to work with and they're trying to help support. So that's been a big frustration for me. And I've tried to knock down some of them barriers and walls over the years with when someone comes into the studio you've got to show like empathy and you've got to show understanding for that so you're not talking journey. about just beasting them to the, the nth degree where they can't stand up and they're feeling sick and all that and obviously chances are they come back with them when they wake yeah, up in the morning exactly Dave you, you, you can really scare people off with that type of mentality and you can really sort of put people off forever to ever come back into the gym <laughs> To be fair, and there's a place for that, you know, if you're training athletes and you're training sports teams and things like that, there's an absolute place for people to do that. But the general public or the, the average man on the street, the average lady on the street, they're not going to want that type of service yeah. or that type of support. It just comes down to knowing your audience, doesn't it? And Definitely. Care for the client, don't you? Definitely. And that's why, over, like I say, in recent years, I've, I've, I've got to know my ideal client and I've got to know like the people that I can help the most. I can train anybody, I've trained anyone over the years, but I've, I've sort of realised in, in like recent times that I can best support the people over 35, over 40, people who are lacking in confidence, people maybe who maybe wouldn't go into a gym, people a little bit shy. They're the type of people who I really like to help mm -hmm. um, and they're the programmes that I like to sort of create really to help support them people. I've, I've really looked at trying to make health and fitness as simple as possible over the last couple of years because there's so much stuff out there, there's so much information, there's so yeah. much, which Conflict, is great. Conflicting information as well. Lots of conflicting information that I've really, really, I've almost gone back to basics with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now. And I've tried to simplify a lot of the information. Right. I found it's been quite helpful. So, 
So what do you think it's hers for coming in the gym then? Do you think it's that sort of preconceived idea about the environment that people are walking into and that? Definitely, definitely. I think even even with people coming to the studio, I've tried, you know, I've tried to, you know, knock them sort of barriers down. I think people still have them preconceived ideas like of fear. So it's can I do this? Am I, am I good enough to do this? Are people going to judge me when I go? You know, are, are there with people who are going to be super fit? Are they going to be, you know, spandex, and headbands, all that sort of stuff? So people do, I think what stops people is, is that fear of, yeah. fear of being judged, I think, a lot of the time. We spoke about it in, in previous podcasts, and that's that self-talk, isn't it? Before you do anything, that you step out of your comfort zone, and the, the mind starts racing about what-ifs, and Huge. thinking about the future, and it's not even happened yet, has it? Yeah, absolutely massive. I think the first... The first three or four weeks with a, with a, with a new client is massive for me. It's, it's about making sure the client feels supported in, in the sort of journey that they're going on and also that they've got, that they're not, you know, you're not throwing too much information at them, but you're not also making them train two hours a day, five days a week. You, you know, you, it's about introducing some lifestyle changes and it's just making the client, at the end of the day, the client wants to feel and look better. Mm. They don't want to get beasted or yeah. not be able to walk for two days. That, that's, that's not what we're coming for. So yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing. I think um, clients have that self-talk around starting something new. Yeah. Especially if they're not a sporty type of person or they're not someone who's done it in the past. It can be very daunting. Really, really daunting. No, definitely. I think what what I wanted to sort of really talk about in uh, in this podcast is I realise it's it's sort of a not a one size fits all, everyone's different, different body yeah. types, different goals, but Definitely. I took sort of a generalisation across the board of sort of three main areas that people maybe want to sort of achieve and that, that was that was fat loss yeah. in terms of changing body composition, weight gain, as in building lean muscle mass and strength. Yeah. yeah. I think they're sort of like a broad general three topics that people tend to want to achieve somewhere within that, that yeah. spectrum. Yeah. So the first sort of topic, I mean fat loss and specifically changing your body composition because I think there needs to be clarification on losing weight and yeah. changing body composition and the difference yeah. between the two because when people say I want to lose weight they don't necessarily want to lose weight they want to lose excess body fat don't they? Yeah that's a really good question that's a really really good question Dave to be honest with you and it's one that people don't always think of like when they come in I think a lot of the clients that I look after as well they come from slimming groups or they come from doing some of these like fad diets that we mentioned before so they just want to lose weight. They just want to get the weight loss going yeah. on. They just want to see the number on the scales going down. But what I try to explain and educate along the way is it's the body composition, which is basically like what you said there. It's, it's how the body changes. It's, it's the ratio of muscle to body fat. Putting it simply for sort of people, it's, it's changing the shape. It's dropping dress sizes, jean sizes, all that sort of thing. And it's more important than just the weight loss. So... What I specialise in here is weight loss. So I, a lot of my programmes are based around weight loss programmes. But when you look at fat loss, what's, what's in with that is when someone comes in, if someone has got a lot of weight to lose, the scales are a good guide, really. So we do, I do weigh everybody who comes in. Right. So, the, so the scales still are in the case. That's still something I do measure. But I, I don't just stop there. So we do look at measurements. The scale, sorry, would the scales be used as, so you've got a, a foundation that you know where you are at the moment? That's it, yeah, that's absolutely it. It's not so much that we're just looking at the number on the scales. I just know that we've got that foundation and if that number's going down, I know that there's some sort of yeah, progress yeah. going on. 
But if someone just, so a really good sort of thing to look at is if people just lose weight with just diet alone and they just go on one of these crash diets or they just do like um, a weight loss plan that's just diet based and they don't do any exercise, they end up being lighter, but the body composition doesn't really change much. Mm. So they end up just look, they end up just being, how can I put it? A skinny fat. A skinny fat. I was going to say the word skinny fat, but I'll let you do it. They end up just being a lighter, but similar version of what they were yeah, yeah. so that's where body composition comes into play so the, the way i set the programs up here first and foremost anyone that's going to go along and do a fat loss program the first and foremost thing that i look at is a good resistance training program in place at least two three days a week right so that's that's before any cardiovascular work that's before anyone starts running that's before anyone starts doing any sort of elliptical machines or You've got to get, first and foremost, a good resistance program in place. That's, that's lifting weights. That's yeah. lifting weights, yeah. That's absolutely lifting weights. Now, that can be your own body weight. It can be um, using some dumbbells at home. It can be using kettlebells. Or it can be coming somewhere like this and, and lifting weights. And that's men and women as well. Right. So no matter whether the client comes in and they've got six stone to lose or they've got half a stone to lose, I'm getting them resistance training straight away to improve that lean muscle mass, and um, not to use the word too much toning, but that's that's what people associate that with. So they're gonna to tone up, they're gonna lose weight and feel a lot better. Yeah. So that's first and foremost, I think, with any sort of fat loss program. So what do you say to, because I know a lot of females have issues with they don't want to use weights because no. fear of bulking up and that's right. like a bodybuilder type. So yeah, yeah. What do you it's, say to that? It's still a stigma. I think in the industry, it's always been a stigma that, and it's still there now, but all the clients I, I have coming in here, I've got people who are 35, 36 years old, mums, and but I've also got people who are 70 with osteoporosis. They all lift weights, put them all on a progressive weight training program. So over time, they'll be, they'll be lifting heavier, heavier weights over time. So yeah, that's, that's good, not just good for toning up, but bone density, yeah. increased metabolism, the afterburn of exercise. So if you did half an hour's sort of jog, you're going to burn a certain amount of calories, but if you come here and you do a half an hour, what I like to call like a metabolic resistance training workout, you're going to get the afterburn right. a lot more with resistance training than you would with your sort of jogging or your elliptical machine or your like machine. slow steady cardio that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that that's first and foremost for me in any fat loss program. You you, you need to be lifting weights. Yeah. You need to be lifting weights and uh, weight training. It's also more time. Um, efficient for you yeah. as well. So the benefits you get half an hour weight training, it would take it would take you hours and hours to get the same benefit doing cardiovascular exercises. Again, I'm not going to rubbish cardiovascular. We need that for health, but first and foremost, I think uh, resistance training is key. Right. Beyond that, obviously, we need to look at the the diet and any sort of fat loss program. We need to eat less calories. So calories, unfortunately, do matter. Again, I know we're going to touch on a little bit more in the nutrition yeah, section. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely need to get better eating habits, reduce calories, increase protein, increase water intake, all them things are important with fat loss. Yeah. And then beyond that, we need to then look at probably increasing your daily activity more. So just generally moving more. I usually look at more steps. So there's lots of these like trackers you can get yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Just moving more daily, whether that's taking the stairs, not the lift, parking your car forever away. Or just going on walks, increasing yeah. your, you know, your, your 
steady state sort of cardiovascular. There's a lot to be said for that. We touched on, on it earlier about the, the holistic yeah. side of being a personal trainer. I think yeah. getting people to, when you look at exercise and we talk about resistance training, like even yeah. people just going for a walk Massively. in nature, getting out in nature, yeah. walk first thing in the morning, just getting people to move more. Yeah. That's another, people, yeah, massively. Like that. That's that's another pillar as well of like the not just like you said the holistic approach in sort of health, but with fat loss. None of us with modern lifestyles now we just don't move a lot. Like we just we just don't. Well, everything's on our plates, isn't it? The that's remote it. control, the iPhones, yeah. buy everything now one click. Yeah, we don't absolutely. Have to move. We don't have to move anymore, do we? Absolutely. Like a bit of a joke that I always say is, a lot of the clients when they first come in, the most exercise they do is they click the mouse, and that's it. Yeah. You know, if you think about person's day a lot of people fall into the category of get up in the morning get in the car drive to work sit at the desk work yeah. get up from the desk get back in the car yeah. drive home sit on the couch and that, that that's that's the reality for a lot of people so just any sort of movement any, any sort of increased activities our bodies needed though don't they, they need yeah. a certain amount of struggle and stress otherwise yeah that energy has got to go somewhere and that's sort of in my opinion why we see sort of mental health issues along the lines because yeah. people aren't getting rid of that stress in the yeah. body and, and moving and yeah it's meant to do isn't it the yeah it's meant to move it's designed i 100 so. I, I 100% agree with that and when i worked for the nhs that's when i realized the probably the power of, of exercise and physical activity more than any other time because i was getting clients that were, that were getting referred from the gp so it was a gp referral program right and i'd probably say 80 90 of the clients that was getting through were being referred for mental health, right. and anxiety, and depression. So, you've had a proper unique perspective on that. Massive, yeah. And, I, and I've seen it firsthand. Where I think it's an epidemic now in this country and many countries around the world, where mental health and stress and anxiety is a massive thing. But the the research is there now that it can be so beneficial. Exercise is so beneficial on to help. Again, I'm, I'm not saying they can help cure them conditions, but what I'm saying is they, they can help manage them conditions. Yeah. So they can help alleviate stress and anxiety, release endorphins in the brain, and just, just increase that overall well-being. Yeah. And, I've, and I've seen that firsthand, that, that, that's a massive area now. I think there's a, there's a word that's sort of, it's a buzzword at the moment, but there's, there's a lot of, seems a lot of common sense to it, and the word's resilience. A lot of people yeah. speak about the resilience now in terms of how well you handle uncertainty in your life or stress. Yeah. And I think any sort of physical activity or yeah. anything where you, you're creating these endorphins and chemicals, yeah. I think that helps build that resi- uh, resilience in, doesn't it? Huge, yeah. I think people just get into bad habits. I think you know we're all busy, we've all got busy lives, we've all got families, we've all got sort of jobs that we need to do. But I think we do get away from the importance of physical activity because yeah. we just, everyone's busier, everyone's busier, social media. People would rather check the Facebook feed than no, uh, no. Well, now you get, them, you get them endorphins now from your phone tells you someone's liked you or something. <laughs> there's, there's studies now that say that you get the same rush as you would yeah. exercise. Yeah. If someone gets you a like or that's a twitch it. or whatever, that same that's serotonin it. and endorphin rush. That's it. You get a, a like or a, or a click on the Instagram. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> What's your policy on phones in your gym and that? Do you let people have phones when you're on the train and that? Or do you sort of silent or long yeah I try, I try to get away from it a little bit really I think it's nothing worse than I mean, some of the gyms that I've trained at oh. obviously they're not being personally trained but they're just in there doing the general workout and they're non-stop on the phones and checking yeah, the phones and it's, that's it I think I think it's a big thing isn't it where you see people on like Facebook Instagram social media again again there are benefits of 
phones, social media, tracking, different things like that. But I think, yeah, I think people need to put the phone down. Just put the phone down for a little bit. I think that's going to help. Have you found that the whether that these apps help or not? Your fitness trackings and my fitness pal and yeah, all that kind of thing. You think there's a benefit to them? I do. I do think there's a place for them. I do think there's a place for things like my fitness pal, Fitbits tracking. I've used them myself. I've, I've, I've used them with clients. But a big but really for me is that people are forgetting the basics. So. They tend to jump on these apps or they tend to jump on these, but they're sort of... They forget that they still have to actually go yeah, and do... That's right, that's right. So I remember going to a business a couple of years ago and I was um, talking to a guy there and he, he, he had all the apps, he had all the information, he had all the stuff that he needed to do, but he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing any exercise and he wasn't really changing his diet really. But, and, and that's a big thing that I always say with um, training people. People know what to do generally. They generally know what to do, but they're not doing it. So before people just look at apps or look at sort of like trackers and things like that, people need to start getting back to the basics. And that's what I like to do with people. Start with the basics, more water, better sleep, yeah. three to four balanced meals per day, you know, a little bit more general activity, go for a walk. Then things, if them things are in place before they start looking at some of this other stuff. I usually find that helps. Yeah. I find that helps, yeah. So just to sort of break it down for us, in terms of fat loss, what would be the, the most basic or what can people start doing now? So if someone comes in new, for me, a new client, I, I look at what I like to call the habits of effective fat loss. So I'd probably say, number one, they need to be drinking more water. The more water we drink, the more water we're going to get rid of. The body needs water. So that's, that's like number one. Normally... People, they get hungry, but they're actually just thirsty. You've probably heard that before. Yeah. So sometimes people are just sort of getting cravings, but it's just because they're dehydrated. So a really simple thing for fat loss can be just increasing your water. Generally, two to three liters a day should do the trick. The next thing you'll probably look at is balance. So what I find a lot of people are doing is skipping meals. So a lot of people, not strategically skipping meals, I'm not talking about like intermittent fasting or anything like that. I'm talking people are just generally skipping meals. Right they're not putting the nutrition sort of first and foremost so three to four balanced meals per day is really important all in meals general recommendations again they're going to be tweaked here but general recommendations each of the meals should contain a quality source of protein that can be eggs fish any sorts of lean meats uh, vegetarian obviously proteins as well things like beans each meal should contain some vegetables standard yeah fiber Fruits and each meal should contain a quality carbohydrate, so a complex carbohydrate. That can be something like brown rice, that can be a sweet potato, something simple like that. And that's a general guideline. If three to four, if, if, if people are eating three to four meals per day like that, two or three liters of water, that is an absolutely fantastic start. Then going beyond that, like I said, get themselves a consistent resistance training routine two or three days per week, making sure they're sleeping seven to eight hours a night. And that is pretty solid for most people to start with. Brilliant. There are little tweaks within that, things you can change, but I think to start people off, that's a really good place yeah, to start. Really good foundation. That, really yeah. good foundation, yeah. Excellent. So let's move on a little bit to sort of people who want to, I mean, I'm generalising again, obviously, but people who sort of predominantly, maybe young lads who want a little bit skinny, they want to put a little bit of size on. So when we talk yeah. about weight gain, 
we're talking about building lean muscle mass. Yeah. What sort of a, a decent protocol to start start doing? Right. So definitely early in my career, I did work with a lot of young lads because I used to work for um, the college in St. Helens. So we used to get a lot of like young rugby lads coming in. Yeah. A lot of young lads looking to bulk up. And to be honest with you, when I very first started in the industry, that was me. I was a skinny guy who wanted to put some lean muscle on, wanted to bulk up a little bit. So you still got that. There's still a market for that sort of stuff as well. First and foremost, again, with that, you're looking at food. So I'd say probably even before you start looking at training, I think somebody like that needs to start looking at the food. So if they're not eating enough food and they're not eating a little bit more than the body needs, but they're not going to put any muscle on. So again, if you're skipping meals, if you're not eating enough, you're not going to put that lean muscle on. Each meal needs to contain a quality source of protein. Lean muscle needs protein, the body needs protein um, to build muscle. I was in a similar position to you when I was younger and I was really quite skinny. I struggled to put weight on. Yeah. Um, reading all like the bodybuilding magazines and it's all like a yeah, pound, of, pound of protein per pound of body weight. Sometimes it's not, not achievable to eat that much protein a day. It'd be hard work, it's wouldn't tough. it? It's tough, mm. yeah. Like, I said, like, like me and you are over six foot, so it, it yeah. can be quite, if you start to work that out, it, can be quite tough. That that sort of recommendation is still around. I think it's a, probably quite um, a good way to start. A gram of protein per pound of body weight is a pretty good, pretty good place to start with. If someone's a, a young guy or is an athlete or is someone who's playing sports, a gram per pound of body weight is a good place to start. Yeah. Spreading that over probably four meals is a good idea yeah. as well. Again, with modern lifestyles, everyone's busy. You know, one of them meals could be a protein shake. I'm not against protein shakes. I think most meals, if you can get it from real food, that's a good idea. But having a protein shake in there is a good idea maybe yeah. as well. Just for purely for convenience. There's nothing special about a protein shake. It's just a chicken breast at the end of the day. Yeah. But it, it can be quite convenient to get it in. Rather than chowing down another steak or yeah. another chicken yeah. breast. So, yeah. Then beyond that, I think looking at training, Dave, I think probably if someone's starting off, young guys starting off if they've got no experience I think coming in and doing a full body workout three days per week focusing on the main sort of movements what I call the main foundation of your weight training is your squats your deadlifts your press your bench press small compound lifts rather yeah. than isolation exercises yeah. so. for most bang for your buck so you want to look at the most bang for your buck again the young guys when they first start coming in or the guys who are, who are I call like hard gainers or guys that are a little bit skinny they tend to start doing things like bicep curls or the, the exercise that you can see in the mirror so the chest the biceps yeah, yeah. but they forget about beach um, muscles the beach muscles start kicking in but they need to be looking at compound exercises so exercises like like you say squats deadlifts chin-ups overhead press bench press any type of rows so they're the exercises that are engaging more than one muscle group yeah multi-joint compound exercises is what most of us again even beyond that not just beginners but most of us need to be looking at them type of exercises they're what's going to be the more sort of like bang for your buck yeah. and beginners because they aren't very strong they, they can do that three days per week and not overtrain. beyond that once you start becoming more intermediate I really like sort of routines like upper, lower, upper. That's upper body, lower body, upper body, three days per week. Right. And then beyond that, one of my favorite routines is push-pull legs. So you're going in the gym doing all the sort of pulling muscles, like chin-ups, bicep curls, rows. Right. The next day you go in doing things like press-ups, bench press, overhead press, triceps. And then you dedicate one day to sort of legs as well and the lower body, which people sometimes forget. Yeah. Uh, me included. 
<laughs> so yeah, they're, they're some of my favourite routines for building muscle. So is the benefit of them training splits rather than the full body workout is to give the uh, the muscle that you've used enough time to recover till the next workout? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As you start to become stronger and you start to become more advanced, I've then transitioned someone to something like an upper, lower upper sort of routine and then probably then on to something like push-pull legs. I think push-pull legs and some of them training splits, they're not like traditional bodybuilding training splits, but I do think for the general person and also I'd say for anyone that's an athlete or anyone that's looking at any sort of playing any sort of sport I think the full body routines the upper lower the push pull legs are better routines right if you then want to go into just purely physique transformation and you're looking at just improving your physique and you want to sort of become like a recreational bodybuilder then you can start splitting up and just going in doing your chest just going in doing your back just going in doing your legs and doing your arms then routine can still be effective. But I, I still think for the general person and most people, them other training splits are more effective, mm. generally. I've sort of come across, um, I'm, an, I'm an avid reader and I've, I've been always been into health and fitness and, and lifting and that. And in, when I was sort of younger, I did concentrate on the sort of bodybuilding type yeah, split. me too. Yeah, as, as I got older, I started reading, um, I don't know if you're with a guy called Dan John. Brilliant, yeah. Um, and he has the sort of push-pull Hinge, squat, yes, carrying, yeah, his protocol is a lot of like training your body as a whole rather than yeah. splitting it up. Big fan of that. Big fan of that. Big fan of Dan John. That, that was one of the going to be one of my book recommendations. I like this one. Never let go. Um, it's really, amazing, that isn't it? Yeah, really good. Really good yeah. resource. And that's it. I think his his background. I think he was a, I think he was a discus thrower that's or right, he yeah. was some, like a hammer yeah. thrower or something like that. Yeah, track and field. He's, he's trained a lot of. Um, a lot of like athletes and he's trained a lot of like young lads as well but he's also trained like older adults but Dan Jones I think his philosophy around training is brilliant yeah and I think that's that's my probably angle on everything really the the Dan Jones sort of hinge squat press and I think if you're covering all them basic that's movements it. again talking about yeah. the, the human body we're meant to move in those sort of ways yeah. aren't we those planes of motion absolutely absolutely so I think yeah I think that sort of philosophy is um, a really good place to start rather than looking at the I think I think what a lot of people fall into they fall into the muscle magazines again I was guilty of this yeah. when I first started off it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger way so it was doing like 20, 28 sets of bicep curls <laughs> but then not really doing any hinging exercises or not doing any sort of loaded carries or anything that's going to build all, overall sort of strength and yeah. functional ability to do things. But yeah, I think that's a good shout that Dan John's really yeah. good. Yeah, really good. Really good. Yeah, there's, I think there's, there's Dan John. I've sort of read a little bit of Matt Rippertoe. Yeah, that's another book recommendation. Yeah, Starting start strength. Start yeah. toe. Just basic barbell movements. I think Yeah. if people start with that, it's a great foundation. If you learn how to do the basics first, like what I was saying before with nutrition, if, if, you, if you're hitting the basics first, the, the other stuff can come after that. Yeah. The other stuff can come after that. But yeah, probably Mark Rippletoe, starting strength, Dan John, they're really good places to start. I think as a, those barbell exercises you're talking about as a foundation, they'll they'll add to longevity. Well, they'll, yeah. You'll be able to sort of reduce aging as well, wouldn't that, to a certain degree? Absolutely. Keep your body moving in them. Absolutely. Sort of directions and exercises. Yeah. Increase bone density be able to take jumps through full range of motion. All that's really important. We don't want to be, as we sort of, as we get older, we don't want to be sort of bound up or our joints and our sort of everything to be like tight. Like sometimes bodybuilding can do that. The, the 
the type of workouts you do, you, you do become very, very sore. Right. But you're not getting that overall sort of systemic work that you need, that the body needs, really. So, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, the two different goals, maybe building lean muscle mass and strength, yeah. what sort of different rep schemes and, and set schemes yeah. would we be looking at there? Generally, generally, I think probably for strength. For, so, for anyone looking at in, improving strength, which we all should be doing over you know a period of time, I'd say any sort of rep ranges between one and six tends to be a good sort of place to start. I really like fives. Fives is my sort of favourite for building strength. Um, three sets of five, five sets of five, that sort of stuff. Looking at those compounds again, like yeah. we spoke about. Yeah. yeah, working on the big movements. And then beyond that, probably anything from six up to probably 15 repetitions is good for building muscle. And it can be quite good for like general health stuff as well. So if you're working with like an older client um, or you're working with someone who's got an injury, higher repetitions can be useful for that. So it can increase blood flow to the area and it can promote sort of lean muscle building as well. So yeah, I'd say probably one to six for strength and then anything from six up to probably 15 for muscle hypertrophy, muscle building and overall health. And that would be the same for women as well, for females. Absolutely. Again, yeah. with that sort of stigma that they're going to be too muscle-bound, yeah. lifting at the lower reps. Yeah. Is that not the case? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. That's still something I have to sort of, on a weekly basis, just to uh, remind people of. Women haven't got enough testosterone to build a lot of muscle, unless they're taking something they shouldn't be. Um, they just haven't got enough testosterone to bulk up or start looking like our um, Schwarzenegger, as it were. <laughs> So yeah, women can lift heavy and they can get great benefits from that. If, if they're looking for muscle tone, I, d- I don't think lifting light weights... What do we mean by toning when people say toning? Is there such a thing? Can you tone muscle no. in isolation? It's, can you all? It's a word that I use a lot it's because it's what my clients say, but right. it's, it's, it's a basically a nothing word really because all toning is is reducing body fat and increasing muscle, lean right. muscle tissue. So as long as you're and to increase lean muscle tissue, we need to lift progressively heavier weights. And to lose body fat, we need to basically sort your diet out. So as long as them two things are happening, you will tone up. So just by lifting loads of, just by doing loads of repetitions with a really light, like imagine like a tin of beans. So if someone's just doing a tin of beans yeah. and doing like a hundred repetitions of that, that's not really going to do too much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even, even the ladies need to work uh, increase the weights a little bit. And I've got some ladies here with me a couple of years now and they're really strong. They're getting really, really strong. So I think with the things like, um, so we, we, we've obviously seen the popularity in CrossFit yeah. over the last few years and that, and that has to yeah. a certain degree yeah. got got a lot of people interested in like the, the big compound Olympic, Olympic lifts and that, but especially females. Absolutely. When I first started in the industry, you would never get a woman or a female going into the weight room. You, you'd, you'd never see a woman deadlifting or doing any sort of movement like that where that's what that's something that I do credit CrossFit with is it's got people and women particularly interested in lifting weights yeah. and doing deadlifts and doing cleaning presses and stuff like that so yeah that, that and that's been a good thing it, it has been a good thing for all the stuff that people say about CrossFit I think getting people lifting weights especially women it's been a really good it's been a really good thing that I mean, I'm by no means no expert. It's just my opinion. But the only sort of downfall I can see on CrossFit is that some of the lifts that they're carrying out are proper technical lifts, aren't they? Like the clean and jerk. Yeah. People spend years and years to yeah. to 
correct the technique and refine that technique and yeah. obviously they're doing it for long for many reps aren't they I agree with that. that I agree with that that's my sort of probably bugbear really is that some of them lifts some of them Olympic lifts especially things like these snatch or the cleaning press or some of them types of lifts that they're very technical people like kids grow up in Russia and China learning them lifts from when they're <laughs> like five years old and if someone's sort of you know some guy's coming in there who's basically sat at a desk all day and he's in his 40s and he's, he hasn't lifted a weight yeah. in years, probably throwing um, a barbell over his head might not be the best sort of um, way to go. And like I say, I know there's ways of scaling them things up, but they are very technical and you do see a lot of injuries in CrossFit. It does come down to the specific CrossFit gym or the programming that that gym does, but you do tend to see a lot of injuries in it because a lot of their movements are very gymnastic-based or the very technical Olympic lift-style thing. So that's the only thing, yeah. I think it's like anything, though, isn't it, that it's not a knock-on. CrossFit itself is generally good, but you can get good and bad CrossFit gyms. Absolutely. As you can yeah. get good and bad police officers or good and bad. A- absolutely. It's like anything, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Absolutely. I, I know some really good CrossFit gyms and some good CrossFit coaches, but yeah, you shouldn't sort of tarnish everyone with the same brush. But, yeah, I think it depends where you go, really with that yeah definitely so I mean we, we've spoken a little bit about nutrition you've mentioned some of the, the, the different eating protocols for the different goals that we've spoken about and that. yeah um, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about this dispelling this myth about fats so yeah. if we just talk a little bit about good fats and bad fats and why eating fat or the good types of fat aren't yeah. necessarily going to make you fat because I know that's yeah. a big thing isn't it we see everything now yogurts and that are all low fat yeah yeah I think a lot of that started back in, just, just to sort of go back a little bit, a lot of that started back in the 70s where there was a lot of um, studies done, especially by the by, by, by the, um, the American Heart Foundation, and there's a lot of studies done where they basically come up with the hypothesis that fat was was the was the killer, really. In Is that Ansel, Ansel Keys? Yeah, the Ansel, like that, yeah. yeah, it was the, um, I think it was the, what was it called? I think it was the seven... Nation study or the seven yeah. or something like that, but it was at the Ansel Keys sort of, and from that become become a lot of the low fat recommendations. So that's that's sort of started in the seventies, and that's where a lot of this low fat dogma come from, and it and it and it carried on for years really. Like the low fat diet, people still thought that it was attributed eating fat attributed to heart disease later on in yes. life. Yeah, yeah, and and this and really the really are sort of the. Things have changed a lot in, in like recent years, but that low fat sort of thing went on for years and it's still I think it's still around now, to be honest with you. But yeah, going back to what obviously your question there is fat is essential. So it's not just obviously if we eat too much of anything, you know, if you eat too many apples, if you yeah. eat if you eat too many celery sticks, at some point you're gonna end up putting weight on. So it comes down to calories first, so you can eat too much, but it's not it's not necessarily fat's gonna make you fat. That absolutely needs to be dispelled, really. And in recent years, there's been a bit of a shift towards a higher fat right. intake. Probably the truth for me probably lies somewhere in the middle. So if we go specifically into fats, there's obviously bad fats around. A lot of the bad fats you find, you find are in processed foods. Right. So just by eliminating processed foods, you can avoid a lot of them bad fats. So things like trans fats, they're fats that have been sort of tempered with so they're fats that you find in like ready meals or you're finding a lot of like pastries or you're finding a lot of like junk foods 
KFC, um, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Absolutely, yeah. So they're basically fats that have been heated to high temperatures, mostly from like seed oils, so a lot of like vegetable oils and stuff like that, and they become rancid. Right. And they are really bad for the body. So like they can like really affect your blood cholesterol. They can really play havoc with your health. Reduce, uh, they can increase like things like inflammation. So then, so then, then sort of things we do need to be absolutely sort of stay staying clear from. Also, some of your things like vegetable oils and seed oils, we need to be avoiding them as well because they they're full of what we call omega six fats. And if we heat them up, so if you start chucking that into frying pans, you start chucking that into woks and heating them up, they will then become trans fats. Right. So staying away from a lot of them sort of fats as well. So I always get confused me between omega-6s and omega-3s. Yeah. So the omega-3s, they're absolutely beneficial. So looking at omega-3s, think of like oily fish. So think of like things like salmon, right. uh, mackerel, sardines. They're the omega-3s. And you can also find omega-3s things like um like nuts and seeds and right. so avocados as well they're oh, absolutely of omega-3s, yeah. yeah avocados full of like mono and saturated fats they're really good fats so the body wants them to, to, type of things um they're good for sort of brain function good for cognitive you know function as well right. they're, they're important for like hormone levels as well so they're good for testosterone levels they're essential actually for hormone levels so that's where my big problem was with the, the low, low, low-fat diets is if you're stripping all the fat out, you're not getting enough essential fats in the diet or healthy fats to regulate your hormone levels and things like testosterone or plummet, um, brain function, you know, you can get foggy and things like that. So absolutely we need these healthy fats in the diet. Yeah. That's not to say... That you need to be having a full pack of like walnuts or almonds <laughs> at your desk, or you need to be maybe you know, you know maybe putting butter in your coffee. We might get into that later as yeah. well. Bulletproof coffee, but I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I'm guilty too. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm guilty of that as well. Um, but again, like I said before, the probably truth lies somewhere probably in the middle. Yeah. Is that we need these fats in our diet, and we need to be eliminating the bad fats. But again. As long as you're eating a good balanced diet, that you're getting active, having things in your diet that contain fat is not detrimental to yeah. your health. Even now, they're even starting to loosen up the guidelines on eggs. So years ago, a lot of cholesterol myth was made. That's it. It's in the yolk yeah. and that. Yeah. You weren't allowed. You, know, you had people back in the eighties or nineties, like basically having egg whites and not eating the chucking the yolk away. Yeah. Um, the British Heart Foundation was saying you can't have more than six eggs a week. But they're starting to reverse a lot of the guidelines now because they're realizing that them type of foods, that, well, at the end of the day, they're like real foods. Yeah. So the real foods that come from the earth, a lot of animal proteins, again, have been demonized. But um, I think a lot of them things are beneficial as well, even for your health. So I tend to go, I, I'm a real big supporter of like supporting like local farmers, yeah. um, going to your local butcher and getting like real food. So I go to, there's a farm quite locally, Mossbank Farm, it's called Forsters. I tend to go up there once a week. Right. And get all my eggs from there. I get grass-fed beef from there, free-range chicken. So I tend to go and... Where's that? Where's that best? It's up in uh, Mossbank. All right. Mossbank, but they're a fantastic sort of resource for real food. Organic meats up there. It's like an yeah. organic meat farm. Right. So There's another discussion there about like the... The morality and where you get your food from as well. Absolutely. Like if you're contributing to sort of battery farming, 
and uh, where your ebbs come from. If you actually knew sort of the conditions that these these cattle are put through, yeah, uh, I'm surprised more people aren't sort of yeah. vegetarians. But at least if you've got that source, you know where that food's come from. Yeah, there's the, the sort of moral. Oh, absolutely. I think I think where your food come comes from is important. I think more people. I think there's been a shift towards that again now. I think people are becoming more aware of that. There's there's been a really good shift in the health space where people are. You know, they're, they're looking at that a little bit yeah. more. They're looking at that a little yeah. bit more. I, you know, I, again, I think people sometimes get a little bit dogmatic and you don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole where, you know, you're not going to eat anything that's organic. Yeah. Everything has to be organic. Yeah. And you're not allowed to eat anything that's, you know. But I think I think most people could do with making a little bit of a shift towards yeah. eating more real food, less processed foods, more healthy fats, less processed, you know, vegetable oils and trans fats you know i think that that'd be a shift in the right direction would you sort of what, what's your opinion on i remember when i was sort of a lot younger and butter at the same time that the sort of harsh studies were coming out and that butter was yeah. demonized when oh, i was yeah. eating margarine absolutely and uh, yeah i was always sort of an advocate of yeah margarine butter's really bad but yeah. now yeah the time's gone on that's reverse and i'm sort of trying yeah. to eat more butter not yeah more, not a lot of it but yeah i'd prefer butter rather than the margarine that's right well back back in sort of 2002 2003 when i first started off in the industry that was the that was the go to. That was your recommendation. It was your it was your flora lights and it was your sort of like low fat margarines <laughs> over your butter. And now then, you know, I found myself in recent years and a lot of the latest research has gone the other way. So anything that's like real food, like I say, if you look at some of the margarines, they're incredibly processed and yeah. it's it's pretty when you look at what's in them, it's uh, can't pronounce half of the ingredients. Exactly, yeah. A, a good tip is if you ever look at the ingredients on the back and you've got about 50 different <laughs> ingredients, you put it back. Yeah, <laughs> you, you probably put it back, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting we mentioned Dan John. Um, I think it's in Never... What's it? What's the book called? Never is Let Go. Never Let Go thing, yeah. And uh, he talks about a bit of nutrition in there and his sort of all ethos behind nutrition is stop eating like a child. So if it comes in a cardboard box... Well, that's it, yeah. And it's got like... Yeah. Pop, crackle and snap on the front or whatever. Snap, yeah. crackle and pop on the front. Yeah. Put it back. Well, that's <laughs> it, isn't it? And that, 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 that's something that I try and sort of promote here really is like first and foremost, like real food. Yeah, not that's not to say we can't have a chocolate bar or we can't have a bit of cake or something now and again or a fizzy drink, but making a shift towards real food, it's, it's, it's got to be a, it's, it's got to be first and foremost on the list, I think. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of, the, the, the industry's changing a lot now and it's, going more towards looking probably at fats. There's a lot of new diets coming on the scene as well. If you start, there's a lot of, um, there's a big movement at the moment towards things like the ketogenic diet. Yeah, I've read it quite a bit about that. Which yeah. is an incredibly high fat diet, moderate protein, um, very low carb diet. Um, and there's some, again, I like to geek out in these areas. So I'm not saying I'd recommend that for most of my clients, but there's some really interesting stuff coming out about the ketogenic diet around how it can it can treat type two diabetes, right. how it can treat cancer, a lot of these sort of like neurodegenerative diseases right. like Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff around that at the moment. So is that because the these these diseases almost feed off like the, the processed foods we're putting in our yeah. bodies? Is that sort of the yeah. So thinking behind it. That's yeah. There's a there's a guy called um, Dominic D'Agostino. I think that I listened to him on a podcast. I think he was on Tim Ferriss's podcast the other week, and he was talking a lot about the ketogenic diet. That's his speciality area. But what he was saying is that they're looking in now. This this is not all cancers, but a really interesting thing that I was listening to. He was saying that a lot of cancers 
they start to feed or tumors they start to feed off sugar right so sugar just just to make clear sugar and carbohydrates and things like that doesn't cause cancer it's just a case of when you get diagnosed with cancer what he was saying is a lot of these things feed off sugar right so by putting these people on like a ketogenic diet they start to sort of uh, run off ketones instead of glucose they were getting really good results with like the tumor shrinking really? people getting really good sort of like um results with the ketogenic diet obviously al- alongside using things like chemotherapy as well yeah but they were even it was even saying which was dead interesting i thought that people who are having chemotherapy treatment by using things like the ketogenic diet or even fasting days before going for treatment do we get like better results which really? i thought was really really interesting but again the the sort of diet industry's jumped on this now and you're getting people trying to do the ketogenic diet but they're not really doing it right yeah, yeah. and they're ending up eating loads of fats and but then they're going out having six bottles of wine at the weekend yeah. and pizza yeah. and it's kind of going a bit wrong but <laughs> yeah no it's it, it's an, it's an interesting times yeah. with some of these so a lesser form of the ketogenic diet would be intermittent fasting yeah that's quite popular at the moment isn't it massively yeah yeah, yeah. Have, you, have you ever tried doing that have you ever tried it I've tried it where um, the protocol where you you don't eat after your tea. That's right. right before, and then you don't eat till midday. So yes. you're on like a, maybe a fourteen hour yeah. window. Yeah. And for me, that's pretty achievable with like sort of my lifestyle and that. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe I've maybe I've benefited from it, but yeah. I've not done it over a pe- long enough period long of time. Period so of time. I, I could tell. Yeah. That's one. That that's that's the one that I've basically tried as well. I've tried a couple of different versions of it. Again, with anything like this, I always like to try it myself. So. I do like to get in there and try some of these things myself before I'd even recommend them to any clients yeah. or anything like that. Um, again, I'm not a sort of qualified dietitian, so it's obviously you've got to be you've got to be careful what you're recommending as well sometimes. But intermittent fasting is really interesting. Essentially, there's no magic to it. It's fasting's been around for thousands of years, but there was a guy called Martin Birkham a couple of years ago um, who I got into. A lot of his research was around this sort of 16-8 or 14 sort of hours fasting and the basically the general sort of ethos of it is that you're going to take in less food so it, it's a way of creating a calorie deficit because you're taking in less food but it's also a way of your body having a break from breaking down foods and digestion and i found it really beneficial right. what i found is with it it works better for men for whatever reason i think there's certain hormonal reasons why it just tends to work better for guys. Right. They tend to be able to handle it a little bit easier for whatever reason. I think women, they don't do as well on it. Um, I think sometimes it can be, it can sort of increase cortisol. But I think for guys, I've, I've had some great results with it. Um, I, I got pretty good res- results myself with it. And that was uh, the, what was the protocol for that? So not eating after your last yeah, so, meal of the day. Yeah, so, so you're not eating after your last meal of the day, maybe 10 o'clock p.m., and then maybe your next meal, you'll you'll skip breakfast, which again goes against a lot of conventional wisdom. And then your first meal might be around one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. And then you'll just have two or three meals within an eight hour eating window. So it's a great way of like disciplining yourself, eating less. So it's a good way to lose maybe weight, reduce body fat. Yeah. But it can also, it's, I found it also, you're not thinking about food all the time then. Yeah. It just it, it takes away that sort of like I'm having to think about food. Yeah. What can I have? What's what can I have? What's yeah. the next meal? Time as well, I suppose. It's... Yeah. 
bit more efficient. I think the intermittent fasting thing is really interesting because I think it works great for a lot of people. So I think it works great for your businessmen. It can work great for your sort of person who's very busy. It can work great for the person that's quite sedentary. You get into trouble when you start putting people on fasting or maybe even the ketogenic diet if they're, if they're like a hard-charging athlete. So if you start yeah. putting like guys who are doing CrossFit or people who are like sportsmen or you st- even things like, like I know you're obviously Jiu-Jitsu, if you start looking at doing that and then pairing it with like a, like a demanding sport or a demanding activity, it, it doesn't fit the bill right. when it yeah. starts to become the wrong sort of approach. Yeah. But it can be really good. It can be really beneficial for a lot of people. But just to sort of clarify that when you've got that window where you can eat, we're not talking that you can just eat anything under the sun. <laughs> you still have to make healthier choices, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, you can't just go to like Burger King and um, chow down. I think I've, got, I've got eight hours here to get all my food in. Yeah. You know, food quality, you know, balanced meals still comes yeah. into play with that. So yeah, you're still going to look at good nutrition. You know, the foundations of good nutrition. Um, you, you're just sort of condensing it into like an eating window right so yeah that's another popular one at the moment I think the 5-2 that's a popular so fasting that days five days yeah of so two days you, off, right? yeah so two days so again I've, I've played around with that I've done 24 hour fasts how was that a bit brutal bit of, uh, to be honest with you the first time it was but you become used to it you get used to doing it from people that have never tried to fast that long but from people who podcasts that I listen to, people who've done it and tried yeah. it, they, they talk about there's almost like a mental clarity yes, involved in the, in the fasting process that, yeah. I don't know, they just seem more attuned to things that are going on and they're not, yeah. they've almost not got that brain fog that comes with being bloated or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I found that as well. You, you do get to the stage where everything, like your sort of mental clarity becomes better because you're not, constantly thinking about food but you're not constantly digesting food and you're not chasing this like sugar high you know yeah. you get i always joke around with clients sometimes if, if, if they're getting hangry or <laughs> or they're chasing the next sugar high or they're getting the shakes because they're not had a meal for three yeah. hours well that's not really normal really if, if if we're constantly in a feeding state that's not necessarily a normal thing to do i suppose evolution had a like hunter gatherer type yeah. um, population they'd be It'd be going yeah. hours without food. There would be every three hours they can just snip it through. That's it. That's yeah. it. So that yeah, if you, you know if you, if you look at it in in that context, the hunter gatherer thing, we're not we shouldn't always be feeding or feasting. So yeah, it, it becomes quite interesting when you look at that side of it and you start looking at how fasting can become. A, some people have adopted it as a as like a lifestyle. You mm. know, some people really it, it really works well for them. But again, it's not for everyone. Yeah, not for everyone. I think talking about the, the hunter-gatherer, that sort of, it's a nice segue to talk about like paleo. A lot of people have adopted a paleo, especially within the CrossFit community. Yeah. Um, sort of eating things that maybe confining them to whether they grow or they're grown or they can be caught. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. And again, I think when I was really, really into nutrition, I think that's that's one of the, that was a big thing that was coming on the scene at the time, probably about four or five years ago. There's a guy called Rob Wolf, brought right. a paleo diet to sort of um, popularity, really. He got quite popular with his podcast and his book. And it was a really good, I think it was a really good time to have that conversation because a lot of people, they were stuck within the, the counting calories or they were stuck within like Weight Watchers or Slimming World. Yeah. Or, but then all of a sudden, this sort of like, this sort of conversation around like the paleo diet and real food come on the scene. 
again, obviously people have took it too far and they've gone to the gone to the extreme with it. But I do think um, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from the paleo diet. Right. Where, you know, eating things that are wild-caught fish or whether that's eating grass-fed meat or whether that's eating more vegetables, eating more fruits, yeah. eating more, you know, eliminating processed foods, reducing sugar in your diet. I think that can be... I think most people would benefit from yeah. from sort of like doing them sort of things. And I think we're learning more and more that... I mean, sugar's almost become the new smoking, hasn't it? We are learning more yeah. and more about the, the, the damaging effects of sugar yeah. on the body. Well, they're trying to put like the sugar tax on now and all that sort of right. stuff, aren't they? But the less sugar we're taking in, because it's so accessible now, like like you spoke about before with like evolution, where you just wouldn't have the availability to, to consume that much sugar. You might have had a piece of fruit every now yeah. and again if yeah. it was in Take season. It. That's um, it. We're now, like you're literally, we're literally surrounded with foods you know convenience sugar you know all them types of things were literally sort of like consuming that sort of stuff so i think anytime anyone can come away from that and start looking at what ingredient foods real foods you know they're going to take a step in the right direction definitely what was interesting before you spoke about um, skipping breakfast and that's something that like growing up it was always the most important oh yeah you have breakfast and that and um, (laughs) listening to to some of tim ferris's podcasts and he's got a book out called Tales of Titans. And that's right. There's yeah. like 90% of the people in that book, the book's about interviewing successful like billionaires and yeah. um, Silicon Valley CEOs and all that. And he found that 90% of the people in the book yeah. actually skipped breakfast. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting. It is, it is quite interesting, isn't it? Like, again, going back from when I first started in the industry, that was the, that was, that was the, that was the main thing, that you had to get your porridge in for breakfast. Yeah. Or you had to get your sort of um, your eggs, your eggs, or whatever it was, yeah. <laughs> or your sort of toast and that. So, yeah, again, I, I think I think all meals are important. I think when, when you look at breakfast being the most important meal of the day, it's it's it, it's obviously not. Mm. It's just that I think again, where people come unstuck is the people that tend to skip breakfast. They tend to be the type of people that would skip breakfast, but then go to the McDonald's drive-thru yeah, and yeah. get like an egg McMuffin on yeah. the way to work or they just have a crappy meal where a lot they're of these not, they're people, not missing, sorry to interrupt you, they're not missing yeah. breakfast on purpose, consciously missing That's breakfast, right. they're missing breakfast out of, they've not organised their life enough to where they That's get right. time. Yeah. That's right. So I think, I think there's a different conversation there, but yeah, I think it is interesting that a lot of these successful people, a lot of these people were like, you know, doing well with whatever they were doing, whether it's sports people or, yeah sort of business I think a lot of them were breakfast skippers which it's quite interesting yeah, yeah it's quite interesting and I'm, I'm guilty of um, the bulletproof coffee skipping breakfast thinking I'll have a cup of coffee with some butter and MCT yeah. coconut oil in it yeah that's become a bit of a it's become massive thing, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Yeah. it's become massive again I, I jumped on that bandwagon about four or five years ago <laughs> and I think people thought especially my wife thought it was absolutely bonkers <laughs> blending butter into yeah. my coffee it's tasty though isn't it oh, it's, it's good. Nice. yeah oh, it's good it's really good it's really yeah. good yeah, I've definitely been guilty of that. Definitely. So, just basically, we'll move on just to some sort of general fitness questions, really. And we're looking at the, the people who maybe are sitting here listening to this and thinking, well, I've either not got time, legitimately not got time to go to the gym, yeah, and I can't really afford to go to the gym, but they might have space in the house for some, like, maybe home equipment. What, what would yeah. be the best things for people to have, maybe? I don't know, chin up, pull up bar, skipping rope. What would you sort of advise, advise yeah. me on that? Great question. Um, that's actually something that I, I've integrated into my programs now. So 
into the weight loss programs that I run currently, people will come and exercise with me at the studio, but I also set them um, home workouts. So I've done a series of like home workout videos and downloads that they can sort of use at home from the comfort of their own home. One of the reasons, like like you sort of touched on before, is the time element. So not everyone's got time because again, if if you start putting barriers in the way, I need to get in the car, I need to go to the gym, I need to drive to yeah. the gym. Drive. Where if I say, can you do a ten minute home workout? That's more realistic. So the first thing I start with um, the first month is body weight. So you, again, all you need is your body weight yeah. at home, uh, doing things like squats, crunches, press ups doing things like jumping jacks, all them type of exercises, really simple but effective. And then beyond that, like you touched on before, looking at home exercise equipment, I, I normally um, get people to buy just some dumbbells, some adjustable dumbbells um, that they can use again at home. And they can be really, really well utilized. I've got over 100 exercises that I use with people at home that you can mm. use dumbbells for. Going beyond that, things like kettlebells, Chin-up bars, skipping ropes, all reasonably cheap, yeah. effective pieces of equipment that people can do full body workouts with. Yeah. Um, so that type of equipment is really beneficial. A lot of my clients will utilize them type of things as well. Brilliant. And there's a lot to be said as well with them type the, that type of equipment that you've just, you've just recommended. You can use them to train outside. I don't think there's a lot to be yeah. said for getting outside in the sun, isn't there? Yeah. And I know we, do, we don't get too much of it over here. I know. <laughs> in St. Helens, but um, yeah, absolutely. I think you said before about the, like the benefit of getting outdoors, the benefit of getting some sun, the benefit yeah. of just being outside in nature, all them type of things you can do outside as well. Yeah. Um, whether that's in your back garden or whether you go to a local park or something like that, that's always a really good idea as well instead of being um, stuck inside. Yeah, brilliant. We, we touched on a little bit before about the holistic side of training and exercise and how it affects the mind. And a big, a big aspect of the, of the podcast is that self-talk, then behaviours that we have that maybe have a negative connotation. And it's yeah. it's about that relationship between the mind and the body and what, what your your thoughts and your self-talk will affect your behaviours and how you behave and, yeah. and affect your actions. Yeah. So, I mean, you spoke a, a little bit about sort of some of the programmes that you give your clients. Do you, as well as achieving them goals that they've, they've, they've set out, do you, do you get a lot of feedback about the sort of mental, mental side of it and how they're feeling mentally and whether or not that's whether they've achieved a different mental state through through the exercise. Definitely, yeah. It's 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 often not what they come in for, but it's often what improves first, mm-hmm. I find. So they normally come in for better fitting clothes, weight loss, and things like that, but they often go away with uh, more confidence, right? more energy, and just less stress. I think that they're the three main things that I find that clients are always don't think they need but that's what they end up achieving and, yeah. and they're, the type, they're the type of things that, that, that you can get quite quickly so losing six stone that, that's going to take some time but, get, but giving you more energy reducing anxiety and increasing your, increasing your body confidence well we, well we can get that quite quick mm. so that, that side of it is, um, is massive and yeah I do find a lot of clients give feedback on that as well whether that's um, I, I had a client recently she, was, she had to give she has to stand up in front of people and talk, basically. Right. Conferences, meetings, things like that. But she was um, overweight and she wasn't happy with her, her sort of body. Is that she's covering up, wearing like the clothes to cover up or jumpers, right. or she's yeah. covering up, and the confidence wasn't there. 
But now she's lost weight, she's toned up. Obviously, what happens is that has a knock-on effect with her, her performance in work. She's performing better in work. She's more confident delivering training. Yeah. She can stand up in front of people. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for that side of it. Absolutely, the yeah. sort of mental side, the mindset. And that's what a lot of a lot of people, I think, who come in realise after they've lost the weight yeah. is the effect it has on the personal relationships, that has on the sort of performance at work, the relationships with like the kids, the relationship with the partners. It's a it's a massive thing. And that leads on to that resilience we spoke about before as well, doesn't it? It enables them to when they do have sort of difficult periods, difficult times, yeah. it enables them to it gives them that resilience so they can past that difficult period of their life doesn't it absolutely yeah. absolutely it, it makes them yeah absolutely it makes them more resilient yeah. more you know resilient to things that are going to happen unfortunately you know things do happen in life but the more resilient we are the better you're looking after yourself it, it, it's the old average isn't it like like people a lot a lot of clients when they come in for consultation they're just not looking after themselves yeah they potentially maybe looking after uh, they might be caring for a family member or they might have a really demanding job or they might be looking after the family but they're not looking after themselves first so it's yeah. that self-preservation it's that building up that resilience through physical activity exercise health yeah that's what i'm more interested in nowadays than the six get get a six pack or trying to help clients do that i'm more interested in that side of it now so yeah. building up confidence you know better fitting clothes health they're the sort of things that I'm touching on more yeah. nowadays. I'm making it sustainable, isn't it, as well? Yeah. So they can, they can carry on achieving that yeah. throughout the rest of their life. Yeah. That's a really good point as well. Yeah. So a big thing why people fail with a fitness program or with changing is that it's too much. So I've really focused focused on in recent years is making my programs simple. Um, so for instance, most of my workouts are 30 minutes. Right. The home workouts are 15 minutes. And people think, well, is, is that enough? Well, I've found that it is if you're doing it I'd rather increase the frequency, so I'd rather have someone doing five workouts of 30 minutes per week than doing two-hour workouts twice, three times a week. I think that's more effective and sustainable for people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've really focused on that side of it in recent years, making it more sustainable but also more achievable for people to get them small wins. Yeah, definitely. So we, we touched on a little bit about your, your, your favourite book. Mm. What book would you most recommend to people? Um whether it be fitness related or any sort of anything yeah. else, any other topics. I was like when I, when you did that when, when you when you sent a few of the questions through, and I was thinking about that. Obviously, the obvious one is to go to a nutrition book or a training book, and I, I will give you a couple of recommendations for that. But the book that's probably had the biggest impact on me, and um, we've already mentioned his name, but it, there's a book called The Four Hour Work Week. Right. Don't be sort of um, thrown off by the by the book title, but for me, it just come at the right time in my life. I was going through. Um, some growth with my business and I was also going through growth personally I was getting married and things like that and I was just looking at making some change in my life and that book come along at the right time I think there's a lot of great lessons from that book um, for anyone that's looking at changing the sort of way they think about life or the business or some of the habits that they've got that was a, that was a great book for me it was the 4 hour work week by Tim Ferriss Brilliant. I'd also recommend his, uh, his podcast as well um, training wise, I think you you already mentioned before. So, starting strength was a great one. Um, the other book was the Dan John book, which was Never Let Go. And then nutrition wise, I think anyone that's interested in nutrition, Ben Coomber 
is a really good resource in yeah. the UK. He's got a fantastic podcast. He's also over at BenCoomer.com. He's got some good eBooks. Um, and also, I think I'll probably mention Rob Wolf as well because he was a big influence on me sort of thought processes around nutrition. And that's Rob Wolf, the Paleo Diet Solution. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not sort of looked at Rob Wolf really. I'll have to get over that myself. Yeah, and I'll yeah, have yeah. Go, down, go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've probably ever been given is... It's to do with like the job that I do in the industry that I mean, I've always liked to work with coaches and I've, I've always been a big fan of like personal development. And somebody said to me, when he was looking at my business and what I do, he said to me, what business do you think you're in? And I said, oh, I'm in the, I'm in the fitness industry. Right. And he said, no, you're in the people industry. So that was a big, a big yeah. eye-opener for me. So the sort of, I've always sort of lived by that is that, I'm in the I'm in the people industry. I'm, yeah. here, I'm here to sort of help people. That's where communication and working with people is quite important. Yeah, um, it's not all about biceps and uh, chicken breast and broccoli. Yeah, yeah. Like you provide a service, aren't you? At the end of the day, like in, that's it. That's it. You've got to people. care about people. You've got yeah. to care about helping people. And if you're not in it for that, well, you're probably in the wrong game. Yeah, brilliant, guys. So if someone sat at home again, they're listening to this now and they're thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind giving guys a ring for get a session in, but. Oh, little bit nervous or what would you what would you recommend to them what would your advice be um i'd say i'd say come and have a consultation so consultation's free and um, probably the first place to start with is um the website so you can uh, google healthy bodies that's my sort of uh, personal training business so www.healthybodies.co.uk and you can check the website out there that's me and me um business partner adam that's our sort of business. We're here in Haydocks and Tellings. Yeah, give us a call and come in for a consultation and uh, we'll take it from there. Brilliant. Do you want Twitter and Facebook and all that as well? I'm not big on, you know on that, I'm not too big on social media. Uh, we are on Facebook. Do, I, I don't do a lot on the other Is that a conscious platforms. decision that you try to stay away from? Yeah, I, 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 side of it, a like, little bit. Yeah. I, do, I do get distracted quite easily. So <laughs> um, I have tried to just uh, stay off them if I can, yeah. focus on what I'm trying to do which is obviously help people, get people fit and healthy. But like I say, um, if, if you do Google us, obviously come for a consultation, especially the weight loss programs, they are two-week free trials, so someone can trial the full program for two weeks. Um, I'll give them all the resources and support. Um, so it's definitely worth giving it a go. Nice one, I'd say from a, a personal point of view, like it's a wicked facility. I've been down here today speaking to Gaz. Awesome facility, great equipment. And uh, he's obviously a knowledgeable guy, as you've, as you've seen from this um, podcast and that sort of Appreciate you coming down to, or me coming down to meet you today. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. mate. Appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.